0: And I'm Colin
1: and this is Frederick Uncut
0: where we talk curiosities in the county with a new episode every Tuesday
1: Today Camp David is nestled in the bounds of Catoctin Mountain Park, but you wouldn't know it if you visited The private presidential getaway turned 75 last year and it's been a retreat for presidents from Roosevelt to Trump who's controversially preferred Mar-a-Lago or Bedminster The closest the public will ever get to it is from well beyond its maximum security fences. But today, we get a peek inside Camp David and its home, Catoctin Mountain Park, with Rick Slade, ranger and park superintendent.
0: Okay. Hello, Rick. How are you today? Doing great. Thank you. That's good. It's good to have you here. Emma, how are you? I'm
1: great. That's good. Thanks for...
0: That's good. Uh, So we want to talk about um, a lot of stuff. Okay. And actually, now I can't get this out of my head because before we started rolling... You mentioned snakes, and I'm really afraid of snakes. Yep. So terrified of snakes. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this now. So if (laughs) if you could, like, we're gonna we're gonna talk a lot about the park. We're gonna talk a lot about sure. Uh, sort of your day to day life, really. But uh, you were you just taught you just referenced. We can start with this sort of stories that you might have. Right. Uh, And if you have a snake story, can we get that out of the way first, so I can. Uh, yeah gain my composure yeah
2: I've got a doozy Um, (laughs) yeah we were talking a little bit about wildlife and I really haven't had a lot of great wildlife encounters in my career but uh, plenty of snake uh, stories and snake related incidents Um, and I think the one that best captures sort of overall the lifestyle of a park ranger both in the office and in the field is a a snake story I have from my time at Minoxi National Battlefield I don't know if you all knew but I worked there prior to working at Catoctin Mm -hmm. Um, And one day I was in my office, wonderful historic house, the Thomas House. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, but it's sort of set back. So sometimes the public doesn't see it, but it's a wonderful uh, 19th century farmhouse. We had our headquarters there, um, had a nice uh, uh, interior, it'd been all fixed up. But of course, it still had that historic exterior, which includes a stone foundation, which as you know, uh, is nice and porous for mice, snakes, things like that. So we were constantly enjoying the presence of wildlife, not just in the park, but in our offices. <laughs> oh, no. And one day I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm just doing my job and I print something out and I have a little desktop printer there. And the print job fails and it's not printing. And I'm like, what's going oh, no. on here? Oh I'm my God. Like, oh, no. See, so I've spoiled this by saying <laughs> it's a snake story. It's supposed to come as a surprise, but it won't print. And so I start doing some troubleshooting, trying to figure out what's going on. Um, at one point I could see the sort of tip of the paper It started to spool out And no. so I grabbed it thinking ah, It's just jammed or whatever And I'm pulling on it And I yank on it really hard at one point And I see this ink smeared on the paper But it's red ink and it's a black oh. and white oh. printer oh. So <laughs> I'm like what's going on Red ink How'd this get in here So I pop the back of the printer open, and all of a sudden, this snake is just in there just going mad, and his tail has been caught in the spool, so he's trapped and desperate for relief. I'm scared at that point a little bit, Um, but I decide, being a good steward not only of the natural environment, which includes snakes, but also of taxpayer dollars, I'm like, I'm going to save the snake and save this printer at the same time, so I um, plug it, take it out to to the back porch and i don't know if anyone's ever tried to uh, uh take apart a printer including those those rollers but those things are packed in tight for a purpose so it took me about an hour finally got the thing pulled apart freed the snake um, oh. put him over in the grass thinking okay if he's going to live uh he'll live if not uh he'll be here and we can confirm a fatality but uh no. Tried to put the printer back together. Of course, I, ke- I couldn't do that. So I lost the printer. Mm. And as it turned out, at the end of the day, the snake was still there. Oh. He had not survived. Oh. So, so it was this is a catastrophic day. Lose,
1: so, lose story. I so thought, so lose, you thought lose. That's like a lose, like I thought you were telling a joke at the beginning. What's no. what's black and white and right, red all was, over? Right, right.
2: Snake <laughs> in a printer. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's, well, a that's a great way uh, to start <laughs> this interview. <laughs> yeah. Wow.
2: So what kind of snake was it? Do you know? It was a ringneck. It was a small snake. So... Oh. Um, it it wasn't threatening really at all. No, 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 no. No, I wasn't scared of the snake. Once I realized what it was, uh, it scared me when I, when I first popped the back open. That was a fright. I can't imagine.
0: You see that, you see videos of snakes crawling through vents in cars and things like that too. That really
2: scares me. Yep. Yeah. We're constantly battling mice and other things in the, under the hoods of our parked cars. Uh, It's really, we live in, work in nature. Yeah. yeah.
1: Okay, see that, I was telling you, that's always been like a dream of mine was that one day I would put Twitter down and I would go to the woods and like have this ranger experience. I don't know that, how cool would that be to be, and I've heard of um, like people retiring Mm -hmm. and then you could is that, is there like a program for that? You can retire and become kind of like a national park ranger
2: yeah volunteering is is for the most part what happens and yeah we depend uh, heavily on volunteers and a lot of those folks are retired and they do a variety of things a lot of them the ones i envy most are the ones who spend three months one place three months another they have a trailer uh, some sort of camper van and just spend their time and typically you know migrate south uh for the the winter and then come up north in the in the summer yeah, yeah, really great people. And yeah, that's I think a lot of people are kind of living that dream. Yeah, in retirement. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. I
1: hiked Acadia a couple of years ago. And I was like, this is where I'm meant to be. Like, yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, We're all meant to be there. Yeah, We just don't realize it. And maybe we're not able to fully, uh, you know, realize it in our lives. But we're all meant to be there.
0: Were there any animals or any form of species that you don't really like that you are scared of outside of snakes? Like I'm trying in, to in think. A printer. Yeah. yeah, snakes <laughs> in a printer, which is which sounds like a good movie, yeah. snakes in a printer. <laughs> it does, it does. But like you have to, I would assume, you kind of have to be fearless,
2: right? I'm not afraid of too many animals, critters and things like that. No, mm. not really. I don't know if you have to be fearless. It depends on your job. You know, I was never... Um, Uh, sort of a top predator uh, biologist type, you know, so I didn't really get too close to wolves, uh, bear, things like that. Um, And I can imagine that those people have their own set of fears that they have to overcome um, to really work closely with with wildlife that can genuinely be dangerous. Uh, Yeah. yeah.
0: So how about you, Emma? You just said your dream is to go live in the woods. Are you afraid (laughs) of certain things?
1: Um, You know, I really don't fear things that are large, Right. I fear things that are small, like mm. I fear like ticks or, creep me out, like yeah. crawling in my skin or like especially um, like cockroaches any mm. like spider, anything yeah. small. But larger things I feel like I don't fear, which really you maybe that is common for someone. But I really I should be more afraid of a bear than of a spider. But
2: no. Uh, yeah it's the one thing that, that that scares me honestly is uh those parks out west uh oh, you know yeah. glacier yeah. yellowstone that really have uh pretty active grizzly populations i that that scares me and, and you hear about and, people yeah. every so often yeah, yeah you so. should be prepared you hear about people
1: what
2: dead um
1: wait so i was going to ask you if does it wear off you know when you're kind of looking at the the beauty of maybe you're hiking Mm -hmm. Catoctin or whatever, does it, does it feel like you go there every day and and you were saying you were at the, at the, um, a monocacy, but yeah. No,
2: no, it never wears out. Uh, It's a, it's a great, it's a great life. It's a great place to work. Any park really. Um, you know, and they, and they run the gamut. I mean, it's not just the big natural parks, which is what most of us think, but there's little historical parks, there's seashores, there's all these different types of parks and they all have their own, um, charm and appeal. And for me, I, I love it. And I've worked now in a variety of those places and have never really grown tired of any particular place. Um, I really enjoy working in the parks. Good.
0: Is there anything new currently at Catoctin? Is there, are there things that are going on? I've never been there. I was hoping yeah. to get there before we did this podcast. I couldn't because life is life. Yeah. But uh, like, if I was to go tonight, what, where would you direct me? Is there a trail that, that, that I should go to first?
2: Yeah, I think so. And, I mean, it depends on how far and, and how rugged of a hike you want. I want a 20-mile hike, and I never want to come back. Well, <laughs> so. then I've got the hike for you. There, The Catoctin uh, uh, Mountain National Trail, um, is uh, it's 27, 28 miles, and it runs from Catoctin the north end of Catoctin all the way through Cunningham Falls down through the Frederick Watershed. Hmm. So if you really wanted to get lost, you could probably start out on that trail. And, in fact, there's an event coming up. Um, it's the Make-A-Wish Foundation, I think, is doing like an all-day, it's more of a walk, hike um, for people, uh, and it starts at like 4 a.m. in the Frederick Watershed, and it's going to end up at Catoctin in one of our picnic areas, you know, depending on when you get there sometime in the evening.
0: <laughs> but uh, That's a full day.
2: That's a full day hike. Would, um, would you do that, Emma?
0: full day uh, hike? Yeah, I would mean, Oh, I, mean,
2: I don't know. I a do, good, do it.
0: For a good cause. That yeah, doesn't sound... That sounds great, yeah. yeah. Like a 12, 16 hour hike, right? That's a big
2: time hike, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm up for it You gotta either. get your full
1: <laughs> pack, you gotta get your boots, your rain suit... Your snake repellent, yeah. Your tick repellent for sure. Cause oh I'm, my gosh! I'm with you the ticks <laughs> yeah.
2: these days with the things that they are uh, imparting upon their hosts. Uh, yeah, I think a lot about that, and I we, we my, take lots of precautions. I honestly. think my
1: parents text me maybe weekly to be yeah. like, "Have you heard about the ticks in yeah. Maryland?
2: Right.
0: Are you are you,
2: you stay on the, the tics path? Tics <laughs> stay on the path. It's good stay advice. Stay
1: on the path. Yeah.
0: <laughs> parents are right. yeah Have you heard about the ticks in Maryland? How are you doing out there in Maryland? Wait, have you heard about the ticks? (laughs) Yeah,
1: (laughs) they call to talk about my car Mm -hmm. and ticks.
0: It's, uh, so, I'm I'm interested in sort of, like we were talking about before, kind of an everyday life for you. Mm-hmm. Do you get out a lot? Or are you kind of confined to an office or something like that?
2: Well, not definitely not confined, but uh, limited because of the nature of my work right now. Um, as a manager, I do end up spending a fair bit of time in meetings in my office. Um, you know, email is unavoidable these days. Um, but I also try, and I think t- with some success, to get out into the park um to number one enjoy the park and understand better what visitors who come to the park are experiencing i mean i think that's first and foremost we all need to know what our product is Mm -hmm. um and then second because i want to keep in touch with what's going on because it's a very busy place uh our staff we have a wide-ranging series you know type of staff people that do maintenance work people that do interpretive work people that do um uh, resource management, and I really want to stay in touch with what everyone in the park is doing, so the only way to do that is to get out, see the different job sites, talk to people who are out there uh, trying to make the place uh, a better, make it a better park for the public and uh, and for posterity. How do you do
0: that? How do you make it better? Because it's well, the park, you know? Like- I'll
2: tell you how you make it better, because you're right. <laughs> it does seem like the park is the park, and there is a certainly a philosophical truth to that, is that by and large our job is to not mess things up, because, you know, nature is going to do its thing, and we want that to happen, and that's really the primary purpose, I think, of the park. But then we have a wealth of cultural resources, so there's historic buildings. Um You know, trails always require maintenance, so you need to kind of upkeep with those. But then the historic structures require somewhat specialized care and feeding, so there's all of that that goes into it. And then there's the hidden stuff, and that's really what we've been spending. It's not very glamorous. Um, it's not necessarily what people want to hear about. But we have been doing a lot of work on our uh, utilities because, yeah, That's the okay. utilities in the park are, are old. The park mm-hmm. goes back to 1936. So it was one of these uh, uh, new era uh, era park, new new deal era parks um, that was established back uh, with the Works Project Administration and the Civilian Conservation Corps. Um, so that includes some of the infrastructure goes back to those days. Um, terracotta sewer lines we still have electrical lines that are basically uh, partially buried they're not really uh buried anymore they're sort of sitting on the surface so we have a lot of work like millions of dollars honestly of work that needs to be done on our utilities so we've spent a lot of time planning and doing some of that so th- so t- to what make up what makes a park and what and what do we have to maintain it's really everything hmm. um hmm. yeah
0: that seems like quite the undertaking it's a lot <laughs> the look on your face, too, yes. seems like it's a lot. Yes. Unfortunately, we are not videoing this, so nobody can see that. So, <laughs> right. you, would you like to describe the look on his face right now? He looks very stressed.
1: It looks stressed, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> it, it sounds like it's a big prod. You know, it's you have a lot, a, a lot yeah. to think about. When, now, so, okay, when was the park first established? You're, you've given me a yeah. great segue into the history sure. of the park. History
2: of the park, right. Uh, so 1930. Well, 1934, there was a piece of legislation um, passed to establish a series of recreational demonstration areas across the country. I want to say uh, 46? I'm kind of pulling that number out of a hat, but 46 of them. And so they were set up primarily uh, near urban areas. And the idea was that the federal government at that point, of course, it was the Great Depression, so we were trying to put people back to work. Um, And one of the ways that Roosevelt designed uh, this program was to give people jobs working in what had become more or less marginalized um, landscapes where previously people may have farmed it or there was a timber industry. In the case of Catoctin, it was, of course, a lot of timber harvesting for coal. Um, And and there at the Catoctin furnace, there was a a big giant operation that went on for years and years and years. And over time, the forest resources were dwindling um, and farmlands were through erosion or other other um, processes were, were no longer as productive maybe as they were, so it was identified as an area proximate to two major urban centers, D.C. And, and Baltimore, that had this potential for landscape rehabilitation, construction of trails, construction of these cabins that were built up there, and it was to to re- renew the landscape, to provide people jobs, and to provide an opportunity for urban folks to get out of the cities and, and renew their spirit. And so that's really how Catoctin was set up with that, with that goal in mind. So that was back... The legislation, I believe, was 34, and then the work started at Catoctin in 1936, and two of the cabin camps that are still open and operating and and available to the public were finished by 1938. 1936. Uh, I know it might be a little ways
0: away, but it's 2018, which means, what does that give you, 18 years until the 100-year anniversary?
2: Yes, that's correct. We need to start thinking about yeah, that so that's what Thank I you. <laughs>
0: Do you have anything planned?
2: well uh all new uh <laughs> utilities the park will be working um the toilets will be uh flushing, and the uh, lights will be on That's great um so but we'll have to start thinking about that
0: yeah and i i've one more question uh before we uh, we before we get we we will have to take mm-hmm. a break here in a second mm-hmm. but When it comes to what people know or think about Mm -hmm. uh, the park as a whole, are there any common misconceptions, misperceptions that people have that you'd like to sort of correct about the park?
2: I don't know if there are misperceptions as much as there's sort of a narrow perception of the park. I think what we get are primarily people who come to hike, and it's great. It's a great park for hiking. It's close to you know frederick it's close to other cities um and so it's an easy day hike and there's wonderful trails so to your previous question about where to go if you do come up just take a hike up to uh, chimney rock okay and just check that out okay. it's just a neat uh, feature and it has a wonderful um vantage out on on onto the valley but uh and so most people come up and they do things like that and they appreciate the landscape they appreciate a, a exercise but i think what what they miss in doing that is the wealth of other resources and opportunities that we have which touches back on these cabin camps you know you have an opportunity to come and stay the night in a cabin that was built in uh, 1937 um and it's relatively affordable it's not much more than a uh, a tent site um and so you know for 50 bucks basically you can stay in one of these cabins and we have swimming pools so in the summertime if it's hot come and stay the night go for a hike get a swim in so it's there's stuff like that that i think people don't realize is there um the last resource. Uh, I'll put a plug in for our Adirondack shelters. So we also have Adira- two Adirondack shelters and they're basically free. We have a reservation fee. So you have to do online reservations for all of these uh, uh, facilities. Um, but you have to hike up. So for people interested in starting a backpacking career, or maybe prepping for a larger trip, you could uh, put your backpack on, hike the two and a half, three miles up from the parking area, spend your night in one of these Adirondack shelters, get a good fire going. And I think it would be One of those things that people, if they don't realize, they they should look at that and take advantage of that with the kids or however.
0: Okay, fair enough. Now, we have to take a quick break. uh, But when we come back, there's something also in the park that's this huge thing that I think we're going to talk about and touch on, if that's okay with you. But but right now, we've got to take a quick break. We'll be right back.
1: Almost 1,000 Frederick County youth are homeless and not sure where they'll be sleeping tonight. SHIP, a nonprofit serving homeless youth, wants to put those numbers to rest. And you can help during their fall fundraising campaign. The culmination of the campaign is an event for the entire family. Join SHIP and Mattress Warehouse on October 13th for a mega sleepover at Tuscarora High School. The night includes dinner, music, karaoke, games for all ages, a movie, silent disco, and a bedtime story. Donate to SHIP today and get more details at Shipsleepover.com. That's Shipsleepover.com and we're back. Um, so we were just about to talk with you a little bit more about the history of the area, and right. one of the biggest things everyone is so curious about, and I think Colin and I are very curious about this as well. Very, very curious. Is Camp very David, curious. and sure. you know, the first time I hiked there, I knew Camp David was in Frederick County, and you know, disclaimer, I moved here pretty recently, so don't, you know, be mad yeah, at me for this. But
0: moved here last night. I really yeah.
1: didn't. <laughs> But I really, I really didn't know it was there I, mm-hmm. I, that I was, you know, I probably, I think I hiked that hike that goes out and you can kind of cross the highway to, to be at the falls. Yeah, that was the first hike I right. ever did. And I don't know, how close was I then on that hike? Do you know to Camp David? If you well, can say, you know,
2: well, yeah, we really try not to talk oh, okay. too much about, talk this about this specific I mean, location. What, am but, I uh, within
1: 20 miles? Like it's right there, right? You can't I'll, tell I, me. It,
2: Well, I can tell you it's in, it is in the park and okay. I think that's fairly well documented. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> In fact, I was on the White House website the other day. I can't remember why, but uh, I noticed they have a very nice section there on Camp David, and uh, clearly identified uh, the location within uh, Catoctin Mountain Park uh, yes. in Thurmont, Maryland. <laughs> how, <laughs> so, how does um, <laughs>
0: clearly, uh, having this though in the park? Mm-hmm. Does it is that something that you are constantly? Uh, you know, approached about, asked about? Is it something or that
1: Or does, no, up one does well, no one know?
2: Well, I, I think it's fairly well documented at this point. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and it's not so much that we're constantly approached. I think it's a point of curiosity for the public, for sure. Um, and certainly as part of the identity of the park, um, you know, going back to what I was saying earlier about these cabin camps that were constructed back in the 30s, um, there were actually, I mentioned two and the two that are still there and available to the public. And there was a third constructed um, back in the in the 30s along with the other two. And that third one became Camp David. Um, and it was when Roosevelt uh, at the onset, well, so it was completed in 38 as well. And actually, this is fun because it was intended to be designed to be a retreat for federal employees. So that was the purpose. And it it was it, it did that. It served that purpose, I think, very briefly. But then quickly, uh, with the onset of World War II, Um, really the whole park was more or less closed to the public. It became a training ground for the uh, OSS, um, which is the precursor to the CIA. So that's another hidden part of the park's history that people don't really know a lot wow. about. Um, yeah, there's some wonderful footage, uh, training footage and really propaganda film from back in the day, and it shows all of these uh, spies uh, with wow. their Batman masks on, and they're doing their, running through their training exercises. You know, it's sort of like out of a James Bond film where you have the ah. 12 guys lined up doing yeah. you know, judo throws and <laughs> wow. pointing their guns. So, so it's pretty fun, and we're actually putting in new exhibits in the park. That's another thing that I... I should mention, is in February we'll, we'll have new exhibits installed, and they'll cover a broader range of stories uh, associated with the history of the park. Wow. And one of those will be a nice section on the OSS, so come up and see that. Wow. Uh, come in, in in March we will have some sort of an opening event for our new exhibits. So the OSS occupied the park there at the beginning of World War uh, II, but then Roosevelt um, was, you know, he had his health issues, and he had, um, you know, a, a preference to kind of get away from the pressures and the stress of the city and D.C., and what he would do is he would go on a, um, um, a yacht out on the Potomac River, and that was his retreat. Well, during World War II, with the German U-boat threat, it was determined that that was probably not the best place for him to go <laughs> to, for his retreat. Yeah. So there was an effort to identify a place where he could go that would be proximate to D.C., um, have a recuperative ambiance, so nice air, um, probably something at altitude, um, and there was a handful of sites that were evaluated and ultimately Catoctin Mountain Park uh, or Catoctin Recreation Demonstration Area at that point uh, was selected and it was that third camp that was constructed and I think there was a number of reasons. Number one, it's a wonderful setting and it's a beautiful park and you know anyone can go up there and see just how nice it, it is now and how nice it would have been then but also the camp was already constructed or at least more or less started um, and so uh, being the uh, the Great Depression still kind of working our way out of that Roosevelt thought that would be a thrifty, a thrifty way to uh, set up the presidential retreat. So it was set up back then as uh, Shangri-La, is what it was called, and it stayed that way. And and you know, presidents continued to go there. Um, and it was Eisenhower who renamed it Camp David after his son. So.
0: Okay, so that was going to be. Did you know yeah. that that he named it after his son? I did not yeah. know that, and
1: yeah. I, I, it's really only had these two official name, official Correct. names, right? Correct. Does it have any unofficial? Were there ever?
2: Um, there's no unofficial names. I mean, the, the truly official name is Naval Station uh, Facility Thermont. So you see, oh. you'll see that a lot. Where, NSF. Do, do you
0: call it anything at work? Are you like that thing, Camp David? That that <laughs> gosh darn thing that's out there. Just call it <laughs> by um, its call um, it by its name. <laughs> So have you? Are are there any stories of of sort of you know people? I mean, I'm sure you guys are inundated with people crossing boundaries,
2: accidentally. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I hear those stories. I think anyone who's lived here long enough hears those stories. Um, Do you, well, go ahead. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, just the people you know accidentally um, whatever find their way off trail and end mm-hmm. up uh you know up up against a fence or something like that. But have you? Oh no, no, yeah. I haven't. I haven't made that mistake. So <laughs> is that
0: because you know where it
2: is? um well you know i think uh it, I'll, I'll pass on that okay uh, as, to, right. as okay. to where and how and i you know we we manage the park you yeah. know that is, really that is i mean that's our job um mm-hmm. so we do we do i think the best we can with the resource that we have available and uh you know there's that other uh wrinkle in the operation that's up there and uh
0: <laughs> well there's been there there have been a lot of for lack of a better word events that have mm-hmm. happened there presidents have hosted things sure. and, and yeah. when that has the, our current president doesn't seem to spend a lot of time there mm-hmm. the um, internet
1: said he's visited five times
0: uh, five times not and, verified uh, <laughs>
1: can't verify that fact nothing's true
0: on on the, yeah it's wikipedia <laughs> we're talking about wikipedia but there's a lot of events have you been working at the park when maybe some of these events were a lot of dignitaries have come no
2: um you know i think um the what was it the g8 or something was yeah four or five years ago, maybe six years ago now. Um, I think that was the last really big event. You know, G8 in
1: 2012. 2012, yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. And um, you, were you working there? Though? No, I've worked there for two and a half years now. Okay. So I started uh, in May of, uh, I guess it was 2016. Okay.
1: Do you know how many presidents have ever been there? It's been everyone back to the first president being roosevelt
2: i think that's probably true um i don't really know you know the the detailed history of every president's visit but i believe every president since roosevelt has spent some time up there i think that's probably true
0: Mm -hmm. it's not something it's so interesting to talk to you about this i've always Mm -hmm. viewed camp david is so mysterious to a lot of us at least to me and emma Or at least to me, I would assume you as well, since we're doing this podcast. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it
1: is because there are a lot of just the reading about some of the historic things that have happened, like Camp David Accords and who's been there. Vladimir Putin has been there. Like, that's crazy to think how close that is to Frederick, you know, to Frederick City. And and just, you know. Yeah, I think
2: it's a point of pride here locally, right? right. I mean, to have that uh, facility. I mean, it's obviously um, a world icon. Um in that regard, and uh so it's something yeah that we should be proud of and I think certainly, as the manager of uh Katata mountain park it's it's a point of pride for us as well and I get what we like to i guess think about and I don't know that we ever really articulate this to ourselves, but we, you know we're providing the public an opportunity to have that uh, have something similar to that experience that presidents and foreign dignitaries um often um and enjoy so
0: you're so laid back about it though that's yeah. where i was going like to me it's this mysterious odd thing that nobody really knows much about nobody's allowed to talk about and then if you accidentally stumble upon it you have 15 guns in your face and people are like <laughs> get out of you <laughs> but but that's obvi- obviously not the case kind of but yeah. you you're so like you're like hey whatever it's fine Is that because you know so much about it? (laughs) No, I think it is
2: (laughs) fine because it is fine. And it's funny because I think the reason it has that air of mystery... And secrecy is because that's uh, by design. I mean, it's the one place mm-hmm. in on 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 Earth and maybe um, in space as well where the President of the United States can go to really get away. Yeah. So I think uh, folks take that fairly um, I don't know. seriously. Going to space is pretty, pretty <laughs> far away. Well, yeah, you can get, yeah. Yeah.
1: I think that's interesting because one of the things I wanted to ask you was why that location. You kind of answered that yeah. when you were saying that, but it's it's almost like it's far enough from D.C and where you really do get that experience of Mm -hmm. of i mean honestly dc is this city this bubble everyone will Mm -hmm. say and it's an opportunity for a world leader to really experience what maybe an average american might experience when they go on a vacation or Mm -hmm. or even you know what they i you know i'm from michigan small town michigan Mm -hmm. and you go up north in michigan and there's nothing up there so you know it's kind of like that experience that maybe anyone would have
2: Um, well exactly I mean that was exactly the point of when the when the park was set up was the idea that it was proximate to a major in this case two major urban areas but close enough I mean well far enough away that you really had a sense of getting away so it's baked into the cake I mean that's really the design of the park is that it would uh, serve this purpose uh, um, for the public and and as it turns out now for the president of the united states
1: but do you feel like that's still valued as much or or maybe you think it's even more important now than I, it ever was to yeah, have that
2: i think it's more important than ever i think you know there's a lot of research that goes into uh, you know the psychological benefits uh, physiological as well benefits of being in nature and getting out into the into the, the fresh air the the woods the environment the, the lack of noise and other stimuli and so it's it's definitely something that is now I believe it's safe to say more important than ever, particularly as more and more people migrate and start to live in urban areas. You know, it's a broader segment of the population now that isn't having that experience uh, in their right. backyard or closer to home.
0: We have this in our notes, and I, I was I was just looking at this. Do you know what the most googled question is about the park? Yeah. Um. No. I, I will. We I, looked them up. We looked it up, <laughs> and and according to. Emma's fabulous yeah. notes. Yeah. So this is her fault if it's wrong. <laughs> the 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 most Google question is how large is Camp
1: David? Well, there were thre- uh, there were three that came that were the first ones that came up. How large is Camp David? Why do they call it Camp David, which we already answered? And is Camp David a military base? Which,
2: well, will yes. you tell me the answers to those.
1: I <laughs> I think Camp yes. David is pretty large. <laughs> I don't
2: know. Is that what Google said? No. I, large?
1: <laughs> I think Google gave like an approximate square footage i don't know and i and yes it's a mil, it's a military base. you gave it it's a facility yeah thing. right yeah.
2: it's an interesting story because um roosevelt of course as, as i described you know he was out on his yacht that was his retreat and that was a naval um facility that that yacht was run by the navy and he had a personal prep he had a personal liking of the navy Um, I don't know if it's from his experience with the yacht or something prior to that. but So when he established it, that was how he established it. He established it as a branch of the Navy or at least an outpost of the Navy. So that was purely Roosevelt's personal preference. Interesting. Handpicked. What do you think a yacht was like back then? Can't be the same. (laughs) No, man. Must mm. have been nice. I mean he I'm guessing if uh, yeah. I mean I can't imagine a yacht on the potomac. That's what I yeah, that's struggle what it, with. I'm like, what were the dimensions of that yacht? <laughs> and, uh, yeah. My yacht. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Do you mean canoe? Small right. canoe. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Right. No, it um, wasn't a canoe. It
1: was a canoe. <laughs> a, presidential canoe. <laughs> a presidential canoe. A presidential
0: canoe. So this is not the whole Camp David thing just does not affect your job. It doesn't seem at all.
2: Um it you know, I mean it's part of uh it's definitely part of the park. Mm-hmm. Um yeah but that but not a priority to you well, well you i don't know if that's that. fair to say <laughs> but uh okay it, you yeah. know
1: it all sounds right. like it it is a factor it's part of the park but you have all these other you know you talked about all this all these other projects
2: we have plenty to do with the with the part of the park that's uh, open to the public and available to the public and that really is our our emphasis and um and and most of our work is is done around that, and and I think to to great value and uh, and and positive effect.
0: Well, that that that's the perfect segue into at least this was one of the final things I wanted to ask. How can people find out more about the park? I'm sure you have a website. I'm sure you yep. have yeah. literature, propaganda. Yeah.
2: Well, we have lots <laughs> of uh, literature. Yeah, hopefully persuasive literature. No, I mean the website's by far the best place to start. Um okay. And, uh, you know, the National Park Service has one big, giant website that's actually a very easy portal to get to all the parks, and it's www.nps.gov. And and if so, you just go
1: to that visitor center, you mm-hmm. can walk in, and there are, uh, like, uh, yes. there are very knowledgeable people in there. Yes. <laughs> I go in there, and I'm like, oh, yes. where should I do? And what that was what I, I was going to yeah. recommend yeah. instead
2: of uh, – you can go online, for sure, and find out a lot of stuff. But I would recommend just going to the visitor center. There are wonderful folks there that will help you out. And then you're already – there ready to start your adventure will people see you um you would potentially um i do go to the visitor center a fair bit um our offices are in the headquarters building which is just uh less than a mile away but um so i'm typically if i'm in the office i'm at my at the headquarters but uh, i go up to the visitor center a fair bit i like to see what's Mm -hmm. happening it's a wonderful place it's always lively and fun a little more fun than headquarters. <laughs>
0: headquarters is fun, too. <laughs> so there's a there's a lot of people there. I mean, this is probably one of the more popular parks around, right? I would assume.
2: Yeah, I think yeah. so. I mean, I think within the local area and then up in Pennsylvania, I mean, I think it's really popular in a, in a regional perspective. Um, and on a national perspective, uh, you know, probably not as, as much of a destination park. But mm-hmm. I think we're, we're doing a good job of getting the word out. You know, we just did a, a partnership with a German national park. Oh. So we are now the only park in the national capital region uh, to have an international partner, and um, wow. we're excited about that. I think it's, it's a way not only for us to help uh, support, you know, the growth of parks internationally. Ours is the Black Forest Park in Germany, um, and, and Germany is really taking seriously and uh, uh, making an investment in there in this idea of national parks for, for their country. Um, so we can do that to help them, but then also I think it helps to uh, raise the profile of our park system um, abroad. And so we're excited about that. That's interesting. Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, are they gonna build a Camp David in Germany? I don't know what they're gonna do up there. <laughs> you know, I, I had to ask. Yeah, <laughs> you did, you did. Um, maybe somewhere outside of Berlin, I'm trying to think where are they, I think most of their parks are, um, actually Bonn, is Bonn still the capital? I think it's Berlin now. Berlin Bonn was the capital of West Germany, I think. Okay. Yeah. All right. Bonn might have more potential for, for uh, <laughs> a retreat. It's a quiet little place. <laughs>
0: um, All right. Well well Rick Slade, thank you very much for taking the time. We really appreciate it. Yeah, this. thanks this so much for coming great. in. You're welcome. It's been fun. Okay, Emma. So what did you think about our conversation here with Rick Slade today?
1: I mean, I thought it was great. You know, he had a lot of good stories, good anecdotes. Um
0: well, we didn't get many of them. We got the snake one.
1: Well, the snake, but also, I don't know. I feel like he really has experience with that park and with Monocacy. And he knows a little bit. He seemed to know well, a little bit about Of course he Camp has experience. David. He
0: has to. That's yeah. his job. Yeah, but. I, <laughs> he I, knows more about it than we know, yeah. obviously.
1: I mean, I think what was interesting was for me was when he was talking about I mean, you know, of course he's going to say parks are as important, more important now than ever, but I really feel like that's true and kind of says something about, you know, he was saying after, you know, maybe it's like it's more transparent than maybe it ever was because back in the day it used to be, you know, maybe after 9/11 or it was like the Camp David Accords or it was, you know, but now how how much is Camp David really important on the national stage?
0: Well, um, it's I think it's important now because of the current president not going. So right, people are talking about it a lot. say
1: about America know. that it doesn't value nature as much that, Is like, that what you think? I don't know, kind of like that It's I mean, I'm from Michigan, Mm -hmm. small town, Michigan, and I feel like I don't know it. The the thing to do, especially at my age, is to be in a city like, you know, what happens in the city matters. Everything else is kind of.
0: I feel like nature is more in vogue now than it's been in a long time. Really? I do. Okay, well, maybe see,
1: maybe I feel that way because it's now it's like in vogue to be into nature. And I'm saying like, oh, in the past, people are, you know, that people today don't value nature as much because we're on our phones and we're on our Well, that could be and, a generational thing. Then. Yeah. Because
0: you you brought up Twitter when we were interviewing yeah. you them, too. So <laughs> you actually can put down the phone if you want to and go hiking. You can do that. Oh,
1: I hate that question. Of course. I, I Of course I can. And, and of course, I, I, in that situation, I just feel so much more like a human being.
0: So then does that, would you...
1: I think it's it's pretty universal that everyone would rather... I uh, I
0: don't know about that. You
1: don't think that Uh, everyone knows that being outside more, being more active, not being in front of a screen is good for you. It improves your quality of life. That is a luxury today. It's not as accessible as it used to be because I have to be on my phone and on my laptop all the time for work. And many other people today do as well so it just isn't an option anymore well
0: now you can go down sort of a road with a conversation where you say is 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 everybody overworked now like whatever happened to a 40 hour work week you work eight hours you go home you get to the weekends you don't think about work now
1: your email follows you home yeah I heard someone in the office say the other day like I'll get email on my phone when they pay for my phone and I was like great That's a great perspective, but I got the notifications on for every single find out first (laughs) alert that Frederick County sends out. So, I I mean, (laughs) I just want to do my job well more than anything, and I'll sacrifice whatever it is to do my job well. And it's like maybe that's the that's the mindset of a lot
0: of people. Do you think we answered questions about Camp David? Did you after coming away from this, do you feel like you know it more than you did going in? I don't know that that's what I'm wondering. like that that, that kind of I just
1: dragged yeah that
0: that that makes me a little um, I feel like there's no way we can ever find out more or at least what we want to know. We just had the superintendent of the park in. Mm-hmm. He can't say anything, and we don't expect him to, you know, unless if we have the president himself here, whoever that may be at any given time. We're never going to know more about Camp David. It's going to continuously be this mysterious, shadowy thing in the middle of a park that people can't even tell you where it is.
1: Okay, so here's this quote from um, he. Okay, so this is from the press secretary at the time to President George Bush, um, who spent a lot of time at Camp David. um, He said, "It's a military base, not a five star hotel." And then he goes on to say, "It's spacious. It's open. It's rural." but there are no marble cabinets or granite countertops. By government standards, it's luxurious. By five-star hotel standards, that's not what it is. So I suppose President Trump's tastes run more toward obviously Trump hotels, Trump properties and more luxuries. And I and I was reading that in an article the other day and kind of thinking, I mean, that's that's the most I've really heard significantly about what the inside of Camp David is like and I think when we were talking to Rick you do get the sense of okay these were camps that were already being built so it's not like they were being built with a president in mind yeah they were already being built you know they are meant to be a more simple life a retreat you know so i can kind of imagine just from talking to him i can kind of imagine that it maybe looks kind of similar to the other Camps that he was saying I could oh, go, I don't pay, think, and stay at. It. No,
0: not the fifty dollar a night camps. No, I, I, I it, mean, not. There's not a certain, Totally,
1: but to a, some extent, it's got that.
0: There's a certain amount of cachet that comes with being president. If you're president, you actually can probably say, "Hey, I want a big TV here." You know, you can do that guess, if you want to.
1: You can do that in the White House, though. Like, isn't yeah. the whole point that it doesn't? it's an opportunity for you to not feel like the president for a minute and just feel like have that you know typical american experience of going to a national park and you know being in nature uh, i mean i don't know i don't know any better than you know so you can't say if there do you know if there was a tv in camp david no of course no. i don't
0: know but i'm saying if you are okay so then let's let's back up because we're talking about our current president not going that much mm-hmm. doesn't he seem like the type of person who if he wanted to he would buck all tradition and he would say i want a flat screen tv in every room yeah. i want you know like he would be the I one to do instead that
1: instead of doing that he doesn't go he goes somewhere else yeah, yeah he goes to golf in new jersey and but to would that, florida <laughs> would that
0: would that imply then perhaps that you know even camp david can't be touched like people won't mess with camp david it's going to be what it's always meant to be could we glean that from that? Could we? I, that's the idealistic I, outlook.
1: Yeah, it, it it does feel like a place that really emphasizes history. Like he was talking a lot about the history of the park, the history of Camp David. So maybe it is kind of becoming, or is like this very historical, almost untouchable place. I mean, like y- when you move into the White House, you can make certain changes, but you're not gonna. I don't. I don't have a great example here, <laughs> but you're not gonna turn one of the rooms into a Nintendo gaming room or something. Oh, that was. You're not great. gonna like turn one of the rooms into the a Fortnite room, like.
0: Wow, what's that? Oh God. What's
1: that? <laughs> um, but so that's my point. Is like there are certain with these historical places, there are certain you know.
0: There, untouchable. Yeah. I would hope so, and I'm saying the person in office right now does not care about historical. You know. Uh, what, what's the what's the word I'm looking for? Historical I mean, precedence. That's what I'm
1: thinking. Well, he said after his first visit, "quote Camp David is a very special place." quote Oh, it was, <laughs> That's and, a good and then he said it was quote an honor to have spent the weekend there. So he has said he. Liked Camp David, although I think there's another quote somewhere that uh, says that you'd like it for about 30 minutes or something like that.
0: <laughs> really from him? Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I think while he was campaigning before he took office, um, there that quote was uh, kind of popping up a little
0: bit. But he did say it was an honor
1: after his he first visit. Yeah. Was,
0: okay, so you want to know what else has been an honor? Hmm. Doing this podcast. Ah! <laughs> did <laughs> that you see was that? Great. It was an honor to that talk to Mr. Great. Slade. It's an honor to talk to you. We're going to do this again next week.
1: We're going to do this again every week. Every week? Yeah. We should
0: tell people that, shouldn't we? Yeah. I think we just did. Come back We're going to do week. this. Really? Should they come back next week?
1: I mean, it's their choice. <laughs> if they want to listen to the two of us <laughs> talk about our musings. <laughs> sure. <laughs> about
0: Camp David next week when we do Camp David part 2. No,
1: Fort Detrick. Fort Detrick. Fort Detrick.
0: Ooh. We're not doing that next <laughs> week. We're not doing that next week. But this has been fun, right? Yeah. This has been fun. We should say that if you want to listen to uh more podcasts from the Frederick News Post, you can go to FNP dot com. The name of this podcast for now is called Frederick Uncut. Uh oh. Uh oh. Did I just tease something, Emma? I think you did. Oh man. <laughs> oh man. Um, so this this was fun, right? It was an honor. Yeah. It was, it an, was honor. an honor. So you're gonna have a good weekend. You're going out to Las Vegas. Yeah, I'm going
1: for a higher education conference. I'm very excited.
0: That's to me the biggest scam in the world. What? Why would you hold a higher education conference in Las Vegas?
1: University
0: of Nevada at Las Vegas. UNLV is the beacon of all education in this country. (laughs)
1: Take it up with the association.
0: (laughs) That sounds like a. Education Writers
1: Association. I'm a member.
0: Oh. Yeah. All right. How can people follow you on Twitter?
1: I am at Emma R. Kerr.
0: Emma R. Kerr. Middle name, yep, Rose. What's, Rose, yep. that's M-M-R. No. <laughs> M-M-A-R-K-E-R-R. Yep. That's right. And I guess that's about it, right? Yeah. Thanks, we'll see you next week.